0: In to the Holy Spirit, the best they can do is give you their opinion. They can give you their experience. They can give you their perspective, which is great. But if it's not tied in to the Spirit of God, then it's fleshly. And so it's limited in its impact. You don't have those limitations if you're a Christian. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God, who knows the future, who knows the person you're talking to better than anyone else. You can have words from heaven. For them we should be the best cheerleaders inspirers encouragers on the planet because we're not limited to just what we think or what we've experienced or what we see we've got access to the guy that knows everything and sees everything and has experienced everything it, it's a whole different level there's no reason for us to stand on anybody's back we should be lifting People, uh, We've looked at this passage in Hebrews before, and we looked at it in terms of the throwing off the stuff that hinders us and fixing our eyes on Jesus, and that's good. We're not going to do that this morning. There's this picture here of this great cloud of witnesses. Now, the the negative for us is they're all dead. I don't think you have to be dead to be in the great cloud of witnesses, or that would keep most of us. That would be a deal-breaker for a lot of us. I do think we can do it. A couple of chapters before, in chapter 10, verse 24, the writer of Hebrews says, Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. There's this picture, I think, that we can be in this great cloud of witnesses for the people in our life. We can be part of their cheering section, cheering them on, encouraging, inspiring. So that's what we want to talk about a little bit this morning. But the kind of the caveat, the thing I want you to remember is this is all based on the fact that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If that, If you pull out that component, the rest of this doesn't work. Then you're just giving your opinion, and we don't need that. This is based on... The fact that as Christians, we all have access to the spirit of God. All we have to do is say, fill me with your spirit. He does. And we can trust that he will give us words to say as the situations arise and when those words are needed. Got it? So I'm not going to say that again. Just keep that in your mind. I'm not talking about you coming up with really powerful, witty, inspirational quotes for folks. This is, you've been filled with the spirit of God and you can trust him when somebody needs to be encouraged, when they need to be inspired, when they need to be cheered on, if you're there, he will give you words to say that will do that. You might not even think they're that great, but he knows what people need more than you do. So that's, again, we're not going to say that again, just that's kind of the condition for the rest of this. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's a strong statement. The power of life and death. You've all heard the sticks and stones break my bones, and y'all all know that's not true. Once you get through about three days on the playground, you recognize words hurt worse than sticks and stones. They say there was a study, an, a woman on average says 8,800 words a day. A guy says about 6,100 words a day. So that's I think about 25% more, something like that for a, a woman than a man. 8,800 words for a woman, 6,100 words for a man every day. So like if you remember when you had to do a double space type 12 point font papers, so a woman is writing a 35-page paper every day. A guy's about 24 pages every day. That's how much we talk. And my question to you is how much of your research paper every day is life-giving and how much is soul-crushing? For most of us, it's actually, it's neither. It's just filler. We're just trying to, how, what was the minimum? Ten pages? Okay, and you just start making stuff up. So if he looks at the end, you can see you got ten pages worth of stuff. And that's what most of us do. We don't take this idea seriously that in our tongues we have the power of life and death. Some of you are parents, and you maybe have seen this with your kids more than maybe you did before you were parents, when you realize how much your words do shape them. Kids don't get sarcasm at all. They take you literally. And you can realize how that can be death-dealing, soul-crushing for, some, for certain people. And those, you get that. And so the question this morning is how much of what you say is life-giving versus how much is soul-crushing? So Hebrews 1 and 2, we got this idea of being great cloud of witnesses. That's what we want to be. We want to cheer people on. We want to encourage them. We want to inspire them. The picture here is a guy running a race. So we all have a race to run. That's what we spent four months talking about. We've all got a deal. There's good works God has called us to do. He has a plan, a purpose for our life, his will for our life, your destiny. I don't care how you say it. He's got a a race marked out for you. And the race marked out for you is not the race marked out for me. I can't run your race and you can't run mine. There are things that are similar, but at the end of the day, there's a a uniqueness to each of our races. You can look at Galatians 2.2 where Paul talks about that. He says, I don't want to run my personal, individual race in vain. Brandon's got a race. I've got a race. Melody's got a race. There's some things that are similar. But there are things that are different. And the picture here is we want to be the guys that are encouraging those in our life to run their race well. The caution for most of us, don't try to get them to run your race well. That's where a lot of us fall. When we encourage people, we encourage them to do the things that we want them to do. That's kind of how it works. We talked about that a little bit last week when we looked at this issue of self-righteousness. It can slip in real easy, and it can look like encouragement, but it's not. A lot of us, I think my race is not only the best race, I think it's the only race. So I want all of y'all to get on board with me and do this my way. You can't do that. You'll fail trying to run my race, because it's not yours. God lays out the race for you. So just as we're going through that, keep that in mind. Encourage people to run their race, not yours. There's a big trust factor there that for a lot of us is squishy. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And maybe in a direction that's not how he's leading me and guiding me. And that's hard for us to encourage people to do things that we would not normally do. We'll get into that here in a second. So if that's squishy for you, how do I encourage someone to run a race, especially if it doesn't look like mine that sounds like you're. It's relativistic, and we're going to have people shooting off in all kinds of different directions, and where's the truth, and where's the standards, and the holiness, and the right. Like, how does all that play out? There's two elements in everybody's race. There are things that are indisputable. There are things the Bible very clearly says. This is what you should do. It applies to everybody. On those things, it applies to everybody. That's the same in my life, your life, your life, your life, your life. India, France, Marietta, 1800s, 1400s, 2200s, it doesn't matter. These things always apply. They're in here. They're, they're black and white. If you can read once you're six, you got this. They're, they're indisputable. There are issues like that. Most of our life, though, is not that. It's these kind of gray areas, what they're called disputable matters in Romans 14 and 15. And those are the things where we live most of our life. It's not, most of you don't spend a lot of time trying to justify robbing a bank. You know what's wrong. It's indisputable. Don't steal. Okay. But there are things that are disputable biblically, and that's where we get hung up, and that's where it's difficult for us to encourage other people. That's where we wind up standing on other folks' back because they understand it differently from us. The Bible clearly says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine. If you're splitting hairs on beer and liquor, then you're, you're gone anyway. That's bad. All-inclusive. Don't get drunk. Very clearly says Can you have a glass of wine with dinner? Can you have a beer with your friends? How much? Is it okay to drink liquor? That's not in the Bible. That's a disputable matter. Absolutely, you can't get drunk. Can you have a glass of wine with dinner? We People who love God fall down on both sides of that issue. Well, Jesus drank wine. Well, it wasn't really wine. Whatever. Disputable matters. Very clearly, sex outside of marriage is wrong every time. I don't care if you're engaged. I don't care if you're getting married tomorrow. Until you're married, it's wrong. I don't care how much you love each other. No. Genesis 2.24, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, marriage, and the two shall become one flesh, sex. They're combined. And then you can go through Old Testament, New Testament, tons of verses on that, tons of instruction on that. Bible's incredibly consistent, always wrong, every time. Well, can, you, can I hug my girlfriend? Is it okay to kiss my boyfriend? I don't know. That's a disputable matter. Side hug, front hug, all of that, those are all disputable matters. People who love God come down differently on that. Absolutely. People who have daughters come down differently on that than people who have sons. It's different, and, you can, and we can talk about that. Those are disputable matters. Those kind of things, there's kind of this category, these ones that we've been talking about, they're these uh, moral categories. It's really how far is too far. That's what we're asking. Where's the sin line? You see those things we talked about with drinking, you can do it with physical contact, with language. What what words are okay? Is it okay to say stupid or is that not okay? Is it okay to say but or not okay? I've gotten in trouble for for things I've said. From, with a microphone that I thought were okay, that were not for other people. They're not substitute words for me. I wasn't trying to, whatever. So, we talk about that. Entertainment. Is it okay to watch an R rated movie? Is it better to see someone without their clothes on or to get their head cut off? Like, which of those is a graver affront to God when You know, what kind of music and rock music and how much music and can you go to a concert and what if someone next to you is smoking marijuana? Do you have to leave? And are you a part of that? All of those things play in. Is Harry Potter demonic or is it good entertainment? I don't, listen, there are books on all of that. That keeps people employed and it keeps talk shows going. It's not helpful. It's standing on people's backs. It's absolutely, it's standing on somebody's back. We, those are, they're disputable moral matters. There are things that are crystal clear in the Bible that nobody who can read can disagree with. And then there's a whole category of things where the line is, it's gray. And I don't, I'm not a moral relativist. It really is gray and we want to know how far is too far where's the line in the sand but for most of us it's not a line in the sand it's a line in concrete and we want to draw it we want to make sure everybody stays on the right side of that line but first we have to get everybody to agree that is the line so we've got to tear down everybody else who thinks the line is somewhere else it's ugly if you're going to encourage people to run the race this is hard We've got to be willing to trust the Holy Spirit to guide people in these matters, these disputable matters. When it comes to, but if it's a slippery slope and if they do this and they're going to do this and they're going to do this, they might, they might, they might not. You didn't. It's, that's a, that's a tough thing for us. We'll come back to that in a second. So disputable matters, you've got these kind of moral matters and then you have the, I guess you might call them lifestyle matters, which really gets down to what's best, which gets down to values and opinions. What do you value? What's your top value? What's my top value? You know, like you might say, I'm 100% convinced homeschooling is the way to go. It's the best way to educate your kids. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, we've got to train our children in the way they should go, and you're going to put them in that godless public school, and they're going to be trained in secularism and relativism, and I'm going to keep my kids home, and they're going to, You know, I'm going to train them, and they're going to. And maybe you're right, and I might be 100% convinced that public school is the way to go because most of the people who become Christians do it by the time they're 18, and most of those folks are influenced by a friend or family member. And if all the Christians are in your house, we've lost a whole generation, and that's more important. And God can protect your kids in the public schools just like He can protect them in Africa, and blah blah. You know, and we can argue about that. What's best? Friendships dissolve over these type of. Issues. Find it. I can, all right, let's start quoting Bible verses to each other. And let's see who wins. It's a disputable matter. That's something that's not clearly laid out. It's a matter of conviction and conscience. You have to live out your convictions. You can't live out mine. And don't ask me to live out yours. Let me live out mine. I want to move my family to the end of the street with the crack house so I can better serve that community. And mom says, your job is to protect those kids. That's your number one thing. Who who wins? Who's what's best in that? We can go back and forth on that. I think these type of issues, these lifestyle the moral issues are significant. These lifestyle issues, I think for a lot of people are deal breakers. It's what, again, it's it's when friends quit talking to each other. It's when families pull apart. School-slash-employment decisions fall into this. What's best? Where should I go? When should I go? What should I study? Can I leave? I want to pursue this. Well, that's not a stable career. You shouldn't do that. You should do this. Your number one job is to provide for your family, and this is the way you need to do it. You're doing something with, where's your backup plan? All of those kind of questions. I talked to a girl the other day who's this close to finishing school, and she feels like God is calling her to a missions training program. And we spent the first 15 minutes with me trying to convince her to finish school. She's not going to right now. God has said, this is what you need to do. That's a life that's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, next thing. It doesn't. We want it to, but it doesn't. That's a disputable matter. It's a gray area. And at some point, I've got to trust that the Holy Spirit leads her the way he leads me. And if this is the direction he's leading her... My job is to encourage her to, to run her race. So I rode her a wreck. Not because I'm nothing about me. I've got to encourage her to win her. She doesn't need her pastor on her back while she's trying to pursue what God has put in her life. She needs me fanning the flame for her, encouraging her on. It doesn't matter if it's not the decision I would have made. That's a disputable matter. Financial decisions. New car, used car. Credit card, no credit card. Can you go into debt? How much debt to buy a house? All of those issues. Lifestyle things. And then we can talk about what's smart and what's good. But there's things. Do you give 10%? Do you give 15%? Do you give five? Does God care about the percent? Does he just all of that stuff? Those are all disputable matters. And we've got to be willing. I've got to trust that God is leading you, and you've got to trust that He's leading me. You can't live according to my convictions. If you're living according to my convictions, I'm either guilting you. In some way, or you're afraid of me, and I've, I'm exercising power over you. I'm not loving you if you're doing that. that it's not good. I'm, I'm on your back. It's scary for a lot of us. What I'm saying, some of you, your mind is gone, and you're like, if we do that, you, what, what's going to happen? Where's the control? How are we going to make sure everybody stays on the straight and narrow? Once you start letting people go, saying, follow your conscience, like, what does that lead to? Anarchy. Not if you trust, remember what we said at the very beginning, the assumption here. We're spirit-filled Christians. God speaks to you just as much as he speaks to me. He leads you the way he leads me. In these disputable matters, you've got to follow your conscience. You have to follow your conscience. You can't follow mine, and I can't follow yours. There's a race marked out for me, and it might mean moving a family of three, almost four, down the street from the crack house. And if that's what it is, that's what it is for me. You don't have to do that. But don't try to make me not do it once I'm convinced that it's what God wants for me. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. A of this is Romans 14, if you guys want to flip over there, it's a few uh, books back. So as you're working through these areas of these disputable matters, as you're trying to work through all of that, the moral issues, kind of where's the line, how far is too far, it's going to be different for everybody. There are plenty of things that I don't do that you probably do. There's probably things I don't do that, or that I do that you don't, that it's fine. As you're working through all that and then these lifestyle issues which I really think are the big deal, how is God leading you? What does the race course look like for you? That's where... Really, the individuality of our races line up. God's pulling me in this direction. He's pulling me in this direction. A couple of things to keep in mind. Romans 14, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read the first four verses. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who, the, the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you? This is, the, this is the principle. Who are you to judge another? To judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So the, you can read the next couple of paragraphs. It gives some examples of things that they were wrestling with in this church, these disputable matters. Is it okay to eat everything? Can you eat meat? Can you not eat meat? What kind of meat? Can you only worship on one day of the week or certain days more holy than another? And what Paul's saying is those, it doesn't matter. That, those are all disputable matters. And what we need to do as a body is we don't need to judge one another for that. We all have a judge, and it's Jesus, and he's the one we've got to answer to. We're his servant. I don't answer to you, and you don't answer to me. We both answer to him. And so on these disputable matters, there's, there needs to be freedom. That's the principle, freedom. Follow your conscience. Follow your conscience. How is the Holy Spirit leading you? If you can't drink a beer, don't drink a beer. It doesn't matter if someone else can. If for you, that violates your, it doesn't mean that you're a weaker Christian or you're a lesser Christian or when you get, no, it means you can't drink a beer in faith, so don't drink the beer. It's not a big deal. They say it's an acquired taste. I don't have time for that. I'll acquire the taste for broccoli because that's good for me. The other, I don't have time. It doesn't matter. If, you can't, if there's certain music you can't listen to, books you can't read, books you don't want your kids, don't worry. It's fine. There's freedom there. Don't judge somebody else because they can do it. Well, they're just not as Christian as me. They're not as holy as I am. You pull off in your own little club. We've well, we got twenty nine thousand denominations don't do that if you can't if it's a disputable matter again this is these are disputable matters right not indisputable we've already covered that that applies to everybody everywhere that is not what i 'm talking about i'm talking about things that are disputable. You saw that it's a biblical term you got to give you have to have freedom to run your race. You need the freedom to follow your conscience. You need the freedom to live as the Holy Spirit is leading you, and so do I. First principle. Second, if you skip over to verse 13, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Get off of the guy's back. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it's unclean. That's what we just talked about. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. So here's the other thing. So on this one hand, you've got freedom. And then the tension, the counterbalance is love. And we've got to hold both of those things intention with one another. If you run down the freedom road and say, I can do whatever I want, and you know, I'm free, and my conscience is not violated, and blah, blah, okay. Recognize there's a counterbalance, and it's love. If you are exercising your freedom in a way that's making me stumble, you're off. You're the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. If you're exercising your freedom in a way that's causing me to sin, that's causing me to stumble, you're not acting in love. You've blown it. Paul says, I can eat whatever I want, but I'm not going to around these folks who struggle with that. And that's the counterbalance. Yes, you have freedom. Yes, I have freedom to follow my own conscience. I'm going to run my own race, but I'm not going to run my race in such a way that makes you trip and fall in yours. Who cares then? Yay, I'm free, and I've got a trail of bodies behind me. Doesn't work. You run in a way that you're pulling every, we're encouraging, we're inspiring. We want every to come along. So it could be, again, that drinking things is just the easiest one to pick on. There's certain people you just don't do that around because it causes them to stumble. It's hard for them when they see someone who's, however they have you classified, a leader or whatever they think of you. When they see you drinking a beer, they think, well, that's okay, but it's not okay. For, just don't do it. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. For the sake of love, you constrain your own freedom. Not hard. You get that. So there's, as you're working through in your own life, running your own race, keep both of those principles in mind. You have freedom. You've got to follow your own conscience, and so does everybody else. As you do that, you have to do it in love. If you're throwing elbows and people are bleeding around you, you're not acting in love. So make sure you're doing that. Okay? So... Back to what we're talking about. How do we encourage people? This is the tension for us. How do we encourage someone who's not running their race the way we would run ours? That's where it gets hard. On the things that are indisputable, that's easy. Because we can say very clearly, this is what God wants for all of his children. Come on, let's do this. It might be, come on, we can do Those are the easy things because they're indisputable. The things that are disputable, these moral matters, or these lifestyle issues. How far is too far? I'm trying to figure out where the line is or what's best. What's, what value trumps what other value? They're both good, but which one wins if one has to win? Those issues. How do I encourage you if, for you, your race looks different than me? It's going to at some point. How do I encourage I think we fall into two different modes depending on our personality. Some people, they just... They can't help themselves, and they have to jump in and meddle. And you might be that, or you might know that kind of a person. It's like you feel so strongly that homeschool's the way to go. You can't help but get in someone's face who goes to public school. You're ruining your kids' lives. I love you, though. (laughs) That's what, you know, it's hard. You just... You you have, it's so settled in your own heart. You are so convinced of the way the Lord is leading you. It's difficult for you to imagine that he would lead anybody else in a different direction. God, this is the best. Can't you see it? Everybody needs to love cookie dough, ice cream. The others are fine. This is the best. That's hard for us, some of us. And so we jump in and we wind up killing people. We're standing on their back. We crush them. We're not helping them win their race. That's not our heart. Our heart is good. We're just trying to get them to run ours, and they're going to fail because it's not theirs. God has set the course. God marked the course. God laid the course, not me. Others of us, we don't want to we recognize power of life and death is in our tongues. I'm going to stand seven steps back because I don't want to be the guy that crushes what God is doing in your life. I don't want to be the stumbling block to you. I don't want to trip you up. I want you to run the rest. It's basically, it's I don't want the blame is really what it gets down to. If you fall, I don't want anybody to be able to look around and point at me and say, what well, was your fault? And so I don't say anything. And there are these huge sections of life that we don't talk about because you and I don't see eye to eye. We don't talk about where our kids are in school, or we don't talk about what we do on the weekend because you do different things than me, or we don't talk about money because we don't see the same way on that, or we don't talk about mission, or we just, there are these huge chunks of heart and life that, that I don't talk about because I don't want to trip you up. I'm not helping you, though. I'm not enc- I might not be standing on your back, but I'm definitely not cheering you on. I'm not in your great cloud of witnesses. I'm, I'm in another stadium somewhere with other guys who are running the race like me. I'm definitely not helping you run yours. That's not good either. It's actually probably just as bad. We need to be encouraged. We should be the best cheerleaders out there. And sometimes it seems like we either go way overboard, Pharisee, self-righteous, do it my way, or we go way the other way. We don't say anything because... We don't see eye to eye on these disputable matters. So that's not the way I would do it. So you're okay to do your thing, but I'm just going to go and do mine. And let's find the the only thing we talk about are the things that we have in common. I'm not sure that's what love is. I think it might be a little deeper than that. Let me see if I can give you some handholds. Only for friends. This is not for drive-by advice droppers. If you're friends, God usually speaks to us through faith. Five ways. Some people call them the CS's because they start with a C and S and it's easy to remember. Commanding scripture. He speaks to us through the Bible in a disputable matter. If you and I, if you're like, ah, I just, I don't see that. Show me biblically, show me theologically why it's, why I'm off. This is for friends again. If we're friends, we should be able to do that. You should be able to say, hey, man, Your responsibility is to take care of those babies and to take care of your wife. You're moving them four houses down from basically the police substation because they're there so much. Don't do that. You can do that later. You can do that in this way. Here's biblically why that doesn't work. What your responsibilities are as a husband or father. Show me. Number two, compelling spirit. God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. Show me why I'm prone to be led astray. Listen, you've always thought you were a hero. And so you always put yourself in these positions where it's, it's make or break. You've got this martyr thing, and you think if you're not sacrificing to the 100th degree, you're not really following the Lord. Have you thought about that's what you're doing? You're putting your whole family at risk moving down the street from the crack house because you think that's the only... You're, you're trying to be a hero. Show me that. We're friends. We can talk about that. The third one is council of the saints. That's just your friends. Everybody, everybody needs three or four people who love them and love God. If you don't have that, you're missing a huge connection with the Lord, a huge way that God will speak and work in your life. You need to be that to people, and you need folks like that. Three or four people who love you and love God. My bias, you do whatever you want. I don't necessarily think your spouse needs to be with you for They Yes, but you need three or four in addition to your spouse, in my opinion. You don't have to take it. That's a disputable matter. <laughs> so, ask them. Ask me. What are your people saying? What are your people saying to you about this? Are you hearing the same people who love you and love and love God? What what input these folks who know you, love you, know God? Lo- what are they giving to you? It's consistent throughout. It's. If it's different, if it's contrary, bring that up. These folks who love you, they're saying you're being an idiot. Don't do it. Common sense. This is way down the, like, I think there's one and two We're way up here. Three is about here, and five on the floor. Still important, but not nearly so. Common sense. Does it work logistically, financially, however you, you get common sense? Ask me those questions. Have you really thought about that? Have you thought about it from this angle? Do you realize what that's going to do? Do you realize then your kids are going to go to this school and not that school? Do you realize that you're not going to be able to resell that house when you want or whatever? And then circumstantial signs, which again to me that's kind of the bottom of the thing. Sometimes God wants you to walk by open doors. Sometimes he wants you to kick down closed ones. Circumstantial signs to me, that's the last, that's the icing on the cake. But ask me, has God confirmed this in some way? Are there open doors leading you to this? Has someone said they want to buy your house, which would allow you to do this? Or are the doors closed? Are you seeing things that let you think or that lead you to believe this is the direction God is calling you to? That's what it looks like to me to encourage someone to run their race when it's different from yours. It doesn't mean that you just say, oh, go ahead. That's good for you at all. If we're friends, it means you get in my business and you ask, and you make sure this is what God has, and once at least you can't, you can't show me that it's not, then encourage me. Get off my back and encourage me. And I'll do the same thing for you. I would finish college right now. That's not the thing for her. So my job is, as her pastor and as her friend is to do everything I can to help her run her race well. To get to this mission training school and to knock it out of the park when she gets there. That's the thing. We don't need to go back and debate whether or not that decision is over. Now it's how to do it the best. You got people like that. You might be that person. If someone's on your back, you need to ask them to get off. You don't have to be mean. Just say, hey, listen. I'm convinced this is the direction God is calling me. If you can show me where I'm wrong, please, I love you. Let's do that. And work through these things. You can bring a cheat sheet. Work through the things if you have to. And then, once you recognize, you know what, this is God leading them, and their race just looks different from my la- than my race, then start encouraging, start cheering on, start inspiring. You can expect the Holy Spirit will give you the words that they need in the time. And if you're the guy running the race, you've got to invite that in. You've got to be secure enough in how God is leading you that you can let people ask you these questions. If you're, if you're one of those guys it's like, I've decided no, I'm not talking about it, off limits. You're not open to God. You're not open to his correction. You're not open to his leading. You're going to mess up. And you might be okay with that. And you'll pay the consequences. That's, that's up to you. But if you're not open, you're going to miss something. I've got to be open enough to let the people who love me get into my life and ask me questions I don't want to answer. And I've got to be able to talk them through this and say, this is where I'm coming from. Do you see it? And they might, at some point, hopefully they'll say, yeah, I see it. I might not agree. It's not the way God led me, but I'm going to encourage you towards your thing. You get that? Good? Okay, let's pray. Bo, you guys can come